This program is brought to you by Bibleway Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. Greetings on this day the Lord has made, and welcome to the Berean Break. My name is George A. Sinky, and I'm so glad that you have joined me. It is such a privilege that you have given me this time from your day, and it's such a responsibility that I have as a teacher to present the truth. As we begin, let's go to God in prayer. Great and loving God in heaven, we thank you so much for this time in our lives. We pray that each one of us will use this day to your glory. Father, I ask that you help me as a teacher to only teach your will. And dear God, help each one of us to open our hearts and our minds to your will. We thank you now for your word that we can study, and we thank you for your son Jesus, who gave his life to pay the debt that we owed. We pray that each one of us will obey your will so that we can be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Rights. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Most of you who are listening to this program are here in the United States, and most of you are American citizens. We hear a lot about rights here in America. Our country was founded upon certain rights, and we have the right to a free speech and assembly and religion. Now, we have to remember that even though our country protects our freedom of religion, If we want to be right with God, we must choose to follow His will. But people are demanding more and more rights. The problem is that more and more people want more and more rights with fewer and fewer responsibilities attached to them. This is seen in many ways. Many fight for a woman's right to have an abortion. And yet in fighting for the woman's right, they deny the child's right to have life. Now, many times they use the emotional argument about a woman being raped, or in cases of incest, or if it jeopardizes the life of the woman. But to make this emotional argument work, they have to dehumanize the child by calling it such thing as fetal tissue or the product of a pregnancy. The abortionist does not want to talk about what goes on in abortion. It is not my intent to offend any of you. If you are offended, I apologize. But the real offender is the one who promotes abortion. One of the methods of abortion is called partial birth abortion. In this procedure, the baby may be up to full term. This child is completely able to survive outside of the womb with the normal care given to any baby. In this procedure, the doctor, and I have quotation marks around that term doctor, dilates the cervix and grabs one of the child's legs. The legs are delivered and then the body and the arms followed by the neck and the lower part of the head. But then the doctor stops. Before the last couple of inches of the head are delivered, the doctor 
then pokes a hole in the base of the skull and inserts a suction tube and removes the brain. Then the dead baby is delivered. They want to call that a rite, but in God's sight, it is murder. It is murder just like the person who would take a gun and shoot a doctor who did this to the baby. Yet many say this is a woman's right. But I ask you, is this any different than a young woman who delivers her baby in the bathroom and wraps it in paper towels and throws it in the trash? It is no different in the sight of God, but people demand the right for the one, and in general, we still condemn the other. Another interesting observation about people is that if someone were to kill a dog in such a manner, they would be arrested, tried, and convicted for cruelty to animals. The way it reminds me of what God said in Judges 17.6, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. In this lesson and the next one, I would like to share with you a little article that I came across one time. It is entitled, God's Right, and the author is unknown to me. I will go through and read it, and then we'll go back and comment on it. God's Right God has a right to a definite part of your time. He has the power to take all of it. God has a right to a definite part of your money. He has the power to take all of it. God has a right to be glorified through your tongue. He has the right to take it all. He has the right to be honored through your influence. He has the power to take it all. God has a right to your life. He has the power to take it all. God has many, many rights, and yet it seems like a strange way to say it. God has these rights because of who he is and what he is. As we look at these various things, the one basis for God's right to each of these things is because he is God. As God, he is the one who created all things and therefore all these things belong to him. God has entrusted us with each of these things, and therefore we are only stewards of the time, money, tongue, influence, and life that we now have. One day we will be called before God to give an account of how we used each of them. Now let's consider each of these points for a little while. Time. God has taught that his people assemble together, and the Hebrews writer wrote of this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But it is also important that all people take the time to consider what God has done for them. In Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24, Jesus tells a parable about a dinner. Now, we're not going to read that right now, but I encourage you to check it out. Again, that's Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. In this parable, the invited guests did not have the time to come to the dinner. Many today don't think they have enough time to give any time to God. They say they have to make a living, but they fail to make a life. They say they need to rest and relax, but they will miss out on the eternal rest. And I hope that you will give God time each day to learn His will and that you will obey His will and assemble with His people. Money. God has a right to a definite part of your money. Now, I don't want you to think that it's just because you give money to God that you are right with Him. You cannot buy your salvation. You can only be saved by submitting to God's plan of salvation. God does not expect the lost to give money to Him. He expects them to give themselves to Him. For those who are Christians, though, God has a right to a part of your money. There is nowhere in the New Covenant that God commands Christians to give a tithe. The basic guidelines of the New Covenant are very simple. You are to give as you, we have prospered, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we are told several guidelines. Let each one of you do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Our giving is to be purposed, a Christian should never come to the assembly and at the time of the assembly open their purse or wallet and see what they have to give. Also note that it is as he has purposed in his heart. It is not what someone has decided he should give. That leads to the next section, not grudgingly or under compulsion. No one can be forced to give to the Lord. A friend of mine one time told me about a man-made denomination in this area to which he belonged. This group had their members fill out pledge cards, and if a person did not give the amount that they pledged, this denomination would take the person to court to force them to pay. This is just another proof that denominations are not from God. Since the person has purposed what he wants to give, and they have not been forced to give, therefore they can give cheerfully. And I ask, why not cheerfully? 
Since Christians will realize that everything that they have is a gift from God, and everything they have they want to use for God, why not be cheerful that we can give to God? Next time, Lord willing, we'll look at the God's right to our tongues and our influence and our life. As we close out this study, I want to encourage you to live for God. The only way to live for God is to obey His will, and His will has revealed to us in the Bible. God wants you to hear His word. That is what you're doing here on the Berean Break. He wants you to have faith based on that word. And based on that faith, he wants you to repent of your sins, confess Jesus, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. These things do not earn you salvation. They are submitting to the will of God. And without submission to the will of God, you cannot have the salvation he offers to all mankind. What choice do you make? Submissive obedience and eternal salvation, or rejection of God's offer and eternal condemnation? It is your choice. This Berean break is brought to you here in East River, South Dakota, by the pre-denominational Church of Christ that meets at 1600 East First Avenue in Mitchell, South Dakota. You are welcome to meet with us at 10 o'clock Sunday mornings for our assembly, followed by a time of Bible study, and also on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for an additional time to study God's Word. If you have a comment or a sincere Bible question, please call or text me at 605-770-5555. The Berean Break is brought to you in West River, South Dakota, by the pre-denominational Prairie City Church of Christ. They also meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, and you can contact them at 605 605- Five nine three seven zero four five. This is George A. Sinky with the Lord's Church. Goodbye for now, and remember to check out what I have taught with God's Word. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.